construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Flagstick Podcast, uh, presented by TaylorMade Golf Canada, introducing Stealth with Carbon Face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Wood Age. To learn more, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jeff Botter, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Scott McLeod. Scotty Mac, how are things going today? Uh, better now that I've got some coffee in my body, <laughs> need a little caffeine boost to get ready for the show, but uh, overall, pretty good. No complaints at all. It's amazing how that caffeine just gives us everything that we need to get through the day, right? Yeah, especially this, six, this, this is time the of year. sixth one. This is the oh, the sixth coffee. The I sixth coffee. Now, sixth I actually podcast. never, and my wife will say, I actually never really finish a coffee. I make right. it, I drink probably a third of it, and then it gets cold. And I was gonna I'll say, you're not, a, you're, not, you're not a cold coffee guy. No, you? I can't do that. I don't, I don't, yeah, mm, mm, this mm. one's warm. Um, it'll probably be you know, cold halfway through the show. I won't want to drink it, and then when I'm done, I'll go make another one. Whatever it takes. Whatever, whatever, whatever floats, it takes. Whatever floats my boat. Whatever, whatever my, it takes. Now, check it out. Those watching, oh boy, can see that I am donning the 2018 Stanley Cup champs Washington Capitals chapeau. Hmm. So you didn't tell uh, me I was supposed to be wearing my Flames hat. Oh gosh, I didn't. That's up to you. Uh, that's <laughs> up to you. Uh, obviously this is a golf show golf podcast but it is the stanley cup playoffs they have begun and uh, and my boys get started uh, uh as we're recording um they are going to be playing this evening and uh, i am a washington capitals fan that is true i have been a washington capitals fan for a very 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 long time and uh he's that in old two, in 2018 they did win the cup um, did so they? they did and oh, I, I okay. said back then that i don't care if they ever win another cup because they've won a cup which is more than most people can say about their teams but that was a big fat lie i do yeah. want them to win another cup now that i've had a taste i may not have drinking from lord stanley uh from the cup of lord stanley but uh i uh, i drink the kool-aid i guess as you can. I, I guess <laughs> yeah Caps fan I've, I've got quite a collection of cap stuff uh um that belongs to me including an Ovechkin game worn jersey um should be, should be fun I mean uh, I watched a few games uh last night and uh I think everybody gets fired up in Canada or a lot of people do uh, about the playoffs especially golfers even I, I was in a couple of group chats last night and I think I mentioned to you before I got on the air group chats with with golfers even down in South America right now playing tour golf and they're watching their beloved Leafs down there. So uh, the NHL playoffs doesn't seem to have any boundaries at all. No boundaries whatsoever. Not at all. And, and, uh, but you know what? It's the playoffs also signifies something else. Spring, spring, <laughs> golf sort season. of, and <laughs> golf season, which, which you know, um, we've had the course uh, course openings calendar, and it still is on our website. Though I think I did take down the the main link to it. Um, you know, I think most courses, most driving ranges, they kind of open now. Um, getting there, you know, getting you can there. always still... call ahead to the course that yeah. you want to play just to double check and make sure that they actually are open and ready. Uh, ready to take tea times but um nowadays online tea times if you go online to book a tea time you're going to know whether they're open or not anyway so 
in know, most really cases. Well. I mean, most, most, there are some courses that are yet to uh, open or are getting open in the next couple of days. Uh, some facilities might have uh, no carts out right now. Uh, some don't have their ranges open as well, just because it's too uh, wet as far as uh, getting out and picking golf balls. So, um, you know, it's been a slow start uh, to the year, a little bit weather-wise. Um, but, uh, the golf courses are definitely, uh, starting to fire up now and, and, uh, it looks promising in the next little bit here for, for Eastern Ontario and then into Western Quebec as well, as far as the golf courses there. Good Lord. I hope so. I hope so <laughs> I really, too. Now really you, no, you got to get out and play. Oh my gosh. I, I, I was tempted to on the weekend, we, you know, there was some decent weather on the weekend and I was tempted to kind of get out. But the problem is for me is that the, I don't have the weekends, you know, availability on the weekends for me. I generally don't play golf on the weekends as it is in season um, because courses are very busy. I got things to do, you know um, you know, my wife is off work on the weekend. There's work to do around the house and around the yard. And especially when it's really nice, you got that spring stuff, you know, I got, trees I want to take down and brush I want to clean up and fertilizer and uh, like it's just there's so many other things to do that golf kind of becomes very secondary I know but you have to take some time to intersect golf in there just a little bit I know I know just a little bit even if it's nine holes playing I'll start playing yeah I mean I took uh you know I took some time on Sunday night and played nine holes with my daughter and uh you know, it was their first round of the year to get out and play. It was a beautiful night. And yeah, it was, it was fun, you know, and, and I think you have to make a point of doing that. Otherwise the summer just passes you by. It really, yeah. it really does. Uh, so, you know, that's a lesson that basically for anyone out there is, you know, just don't put it off and put it off. If you've got an opportunity, take it when you can. I understand, you know, life, life gets in the way. There's lots <laughs> of things that we all have to do. Um, but, you know, if you love the game and you want to keep your tie to it, you know, it's better if you actually play. Agreed. Agreed. Um, now on this podcast, we, you know, when we started the podcast, we said that a lot of the, the, the topics that we get into, there'll be some discussion things that you and I will, will get into. And, but the, it's not just always going to be about tournaments and PGA tour stuff and this and that it, it's, it's an information um, it's an information channel uh, for a lot of things. And uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that kind of came up with the last couple of weeks was the, uh, you know, through one of the associations at Golf Ontario was looking for uh, looking for someone in the Ottawa, the regional area um, to hire uh, to help mm-hmm. them out with some things. Um, now, what exactly is the position that they're looking for, Scott? And, and uh, uh, you kind of know a little bit more about this one than I do. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess maybe before we get to that, maybe we should explain a little bit of what's going to go on totally for the show this week. Yeah, we're, it's we're, probably we're... a good idea. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know we'll dive ahead of myself. You know? I know we'll get there, but yeah, I mean, why don't we give people a little idea yeah. of maybe some of the things we're going to talk about this? So week. we do have a we do have a really awesome show for you this week. It's uh, you know, as, as we do every week, but it is an awesome show this week. We have some really um, you know, exciting discussions on the front nine about some Canadian golf stories this week. Uh, on the back nine, um, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk about choosing the right tees for you to play. Um, mm. Maybe we'll answer the uh, the the big question: What tees should I play? Maybe we won't answer the question. I don't know, but you're going to have to listen to the back nine to find out. And also in the back nine, Kevin Hames is going to share his uh, his thoughts on punt on putting, on putting. Why am I even saying it like that on putting? Um, (laughs) But before we get to the back nine, we got to get to the front nine presented uh, once again this week by Metcalf Golf, a natural setting, a pleasant challenge, looking for a great rate, save 15% when you prepay, visit Metcalf 
golf.com to book or to uh to buy passes all right now let's dig into the front there we go all right there now we, we can go. get it see the problem is i just i want to get to everything and You're there's excited. all these other things that you got to do it's the housekeeping duties that you got to do first and so yeah. now the housekeeping duties are done let's move on so let's talk about um, what golf ontario is looking for in this region they, they, they're looking for an individual uh to help them out with uh with some things yeah, so basically uh, a few years ago, Golf Ontario, who's the uh, governing body for golf in the, in the province, uh, decided to come up with a regional support strategy. They obviously understand that it's very difficult to, you know, run things from office uh, from their office in Uxbridge around this province, which obviously is a huge, huge province. And they want to provide as much support, excuse me, support as possible. I'm choking to death here on my coffee. Um, they want to provide as much support as possible for the golf courses uh, within the province, which there's over 800 of them. I think they have about 500 or so that are actually members of uh, Golf Ontario proper, but they're their responsibility, their mandate is all the golf courses, not just ones that are, you know, part of their official membership. So what they're trying to do is they've done it in the past. They've hired a managers in a couple of areas of the province to provide some extra support for the courses to act as a liaison. And now they're looking for one in the Ottawa region. So they're basically looking for an individual to job they'll work from home. What they'll do is they'll basically be working with the courses, uh, providing uh, all the services that Golf Ontario does, any support that they need as far as tying back those courses uh, to the provincial association, and just helping promote golf within the region as well. So a, a unique opportunity. It's one we know uh, we knew was coming for a, a while here that they were going to be planning to to uh, offer. Um, but certainly if somebody's in the golf business, uh, maybe they're well networked, have a good amount of contacts, they're very well organized. Um, you know, they're going to have to basically, like I said, they're going to have to keep contacts on a constant basis with all these courses, check in with them, provide any type of support that they need, and it just makes it easier and more engaged uh, for Golf Ontario with the courses that are down here, lets them know that, um, you know, they're valued which they are, but it's just a way that Golf Ontario can provide a higher level of service uh, for the clubs and the golfers of the region. Sounds like a pretty, uh, pretty sweet job for somebody that's, uh, that's looking to want to be, uh, be around golf a lot, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and around golf courses a lot and around golf people in the golf business a lot. Um, so if, uh, if you're listening or you're watching um, and that's of interest to you, uh, you can always, there's a little bit more of a story on that, uh, on flagstick.com, but you can also, uh, um, you can also visit the, uh, golf Ontario, uh, website. Um, yep. I believe it's, is it still G, uh, GAO.org? Uh, GAO.ca. .ca, sorry. Yeah. My yeah. bad. But, but if you go to our website, if you go to flagstick.com, yeah. we actually have a, we have the link there. We also have the uh, PDF with the full job posting that's there. Okay. So if you want to read the description, get the details of it, we've got that all there. Perfect. Okay. So moving along. Um, yes, sir. Some other stuff going on, uh, you know, within the region, um, the national capital region. Um, you know, as we've said before, you know, junior golf for us is, is kind of a, you know, it's a big deal for everybody. Well, I yeah. shouldn't say everybody, cause there are those that don't really seem to care too much about it anymore, but for us, it is a big deal. And, uh, for most golf courses, uh, it's, it's, um, it's an area that they continue to try to, uh, dive into a little bit more with some unique things in the marshes. Mm -hmm. Um, no stranger to junior golf out there has uh, a new league junior, junior league that they've got going on this year too. Right. 
Yeah, so they're launching a, a new league, um, basically working in cooperation with the Ottawa Valley Golf Association. And it, it's really, it's designed for girls aged 12 to 18 and uh, to really get them into the game in a casual and friendly environment. It's going to be running on their Marchwood, which is their European short course. Uh, and course. <laughs> yeah, so basically it's going to run, starts early June, runs through the end of August um, uh, on Sunday afternoons. And it's going to be a low cost league and really just getting players more familiar with, you know, things that I, I guess in golf, maybe it's an introduction to competition. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of it too, it, it's, I think what it does, is it mirrors other sports. So a lot of people are so used to their other sports that maybe their kids are involved in where they have things that are scheduled and they're weekly that they go to. And and as a result of it, that's sort of the rhythm. The problem, just as we're talking about for you, even going Uh and playing golf is that if you don't schedule that, sort of the time passes you by. So if you're thinking about it in the, um, you know, in the, in the, in the, basically the, the reference of 12 to 18 year old, you know, girls playing maybe they only get out once or or you know twice during the year even though the you know the parent might have good intentions but by having as a scheduled league um they get that structure that's there so they know regularly they're going to go out and do that they're going to get some help with it as far as um you know they're going to have some camaraderie there they're going to have a little clinic at the start of it to kind of help the the kids sort of get into it learn about the game a little bit It'll also probably introduce them to some golf friends as well, which is really important uh, in junior golf and especially for the girls. We've seen that time and time again over the last 25 years at golf courses that there'll be one girl or two girls that are members, junior members at a golf course. But then all of a sudden there's no other girls. Um, and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, they don't have that social aspect, which is super important, especially for teens. Hugely important. Yeah. Hugely important. So this is a chance for, uh, you know, golfers of Ottawa and the West end of Ottawa to kind of get together parents to bring together these kids, 12 to 18 year old girls have a formal thing on Sunday afternoon at a really nice facility, get them engaged in the sport and the fact that hey, this is fun to do. And, you know, that should help prolong their activity for, you know, the rest of their life. You know what, I, I, it's, um, it's probably, this is probably a topic that we can dig into on the back nine sometime, as that seems to be where we put, put discussions like this, but just mm-hmm. briefly discussing, I'm surprised, and I wish we saw more of this kind of thing, because, mm-hmm. you know, having, you know, grown up with, with kids that played minor hockey, uh, right. that played soccer, that played yep. baseball. Um, Great examples. You know, they're all team sports. And, yep. you know, there's 15 to 20 kids on a team and they have a weekly practice or two weekly practices. And they have, you know, tournaments that they go to on the weekends out of town. Mm-hmm. And like, why can't golf be mm-hmm. like hockey or like soccer? Why can't mm-hmm. there be a team of 10 kids or 12 mm-hmm. kids at a golf course um, that are the, you know, the marshes, the marshes bandits or something like that, mm-hmm. or the marshes blackbirds, you know, cause that's yep. kind of their logo. Um, sure. and they play against the, uh, the Rockland trilliums cause mm-hmm. that's their logo. And, and it's a team and, and there's four teams that, that participate in a, in an event at any given golf course. And they're one player per foursome and there's 12 foursomes and they get points and they do it on a Stableford system or, however they want to do it and they keep a league 
Mm-hmm. No, this is how many wins, you know, wins and, and or points you've achieved, not so much wins, but, yeah. and then they have weekly practices where mm-hmm. they go to the range with the pro at that golf course and they work on their putting or their chipping or their swing. And, and it becomes kind of an all encompassing development program mm-hmm. because I know there's, you know, there's development programs out there and there's camps that the kids can go into and stuff, but there is hockey camps and stuff like that. And there's development programs for the elite uh, the elite players uh, in the sport, but there's there's nothing really, um, and I'm not going to say there's nothing at all because no, there's no, stuff no. out there. I just I'm yeah. just saying like there there isn't, there isn't a junior common. golf league mm-hmm. that is that is something that mimics other sports leagues going on, particularly in this region. But I'm I'm sure maybe in the GTA they might have something. Yeah. Um, but nothing that's really promoted. Nothing that's really like you know you get minor hockey and there's an association that looks after so why isn't there a minor golf association you know there is definitely things that are happening i mean there's a pga junior league which is in the u.s which yes. has obviously been mimicked uh and you're seeing that they wear their golf shirts and they got their numbers and Correct. names on the exactly. back of it. just like yeah. just like yeah, which sports. has started which has started to grow and you're starting to see that now as well um you know in particular places down at Barkhoven, for an example, uh, you know, Linda Shepard's had a league down there for quite some time. Um, there's a number of different areas where they have that and it's becoming more common. I think what you'll start to see is that starts to be more common as the first tee grows in Canada, yeah. which is obviously a big initiative that we're seeing in Canada uh, with, you know, Golf Ontario, Golf Canada, and across the, the country, we're going to see the chapters of that grow. And we'll start to see more of that as far as that organized activity that way. So obviously, we see already, you know, men's and women's leagues are very common. Very we, don't, we don't see as many of the junior leagues, mostly because there hasn't, hasn't been the demand or there hasn't been as many of the participants to be able to do that. But in order to make that happen, they have to foster that and make that available mm-hmm. make it part of the culture. The more it becomes part of the culture, the more it will be, uh, you know, common that's out there. So I, I would say there's huge potential for that. And we'll sure. definitely see more of that in the future. And it, it's just nice to see this, uh, this one happening here at the marshes and with the uh, Ottawa Valley golf association behind it. Cool. All right. Good for them. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, you know, Obviously, over the last couple of years, um, and we've been no stranger to the conversation on this podcast about, you know, how COVID has affected the way businesses uh, conduct themselves. Um, And we've always said that, you know, much like ourselves, as you kind of work through, um, you know, figuring out what your business needs to do or doesn't need to do in order to be successful, survive, uh, continue Mm -hmm. to grow, you know, having gone through this pandemic and into sort of where we are now and continuing to post pandemic that adaptation is, is, is key and right. uh, finding other niches within your, within your business that you can tap into to provide for your customer base to set you apart from others is mm-hmm. super important. And, um, you know, one of our, uh, one of our, uh, driving ranges, the 19th T in the West end, mm-hmm. um, kind of recognize something that they felt they could do to their facility to kind of provide another offering uh, from a food and beverage point of view uh, that would enhance the overall experience. So, um, you know, what about what the, what's happening with the tavern uh, at the 19th Tee? Yeah, the uh, Tavern on the T at uh, the 19th Tee. So that's the uh, the west end of, of Ottawa here in the National Capital Region. I don't have a lot of details of it yet. I first uh, started seeing... Uh, 
you know, some posts and things about it on uh, their social media on Instagram. But what they've done is they've, they've created in an area where they can have um, a little bit more social gathering. The tavern or the, the 19th tee previously didn't really have much as far as a food and beverage area. Things were people, you know, be a few benches here and there where people could hang out where people were hitting balls. But, you know, they're obviously starting to see more corporate events happening as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of groups want to get together and socialize and do things around golf. Uh, we've seen that growth in things like Top Golf, for example. We've seen that, you know, at Kevin Hames place with the Top Tracer, that aspect. So that social aspect is kind of growing. So uh, what they've done at the uh, the 19T is they've, they've uh, created a tavern. Uh, that's there and set up and they've got a seating area and so forth. Um, nice patio area so people can enjoy a beverage, maybe a snack or something while they're out there. You know, it extends the time that people are out at the range. It provides an extra service for them. And then our Joe McLean was out there the other day hitting balls, talking to uh, the ownership. And Joe, Joe you know, was hitting balls. Joe was hitting <laughs> balls, believe it or not. I know when he when he sent that text, I was like, what? No. what, what were you doing hitting balls? But apparently he was. And uh, he basically said uh, he had a chat with them there and, um, you know, they're looking forward to uh, more social and corporate events and, and those types of things happening there as well, which obviously as we, you know, kind of work our way through the, the pandemic uh, is becoming, you know, something that people will want to get back to as well. So good on them for enhancing, uh, you know, their services, uh, looking ahead to the future, looking how they can build their business beyond just people going and, you know, hitting balls or you know buying clubs or whatever um there's other things that people want to do and you know you can make it an evening instead of just going hitting balls mm -hmm. get a chance to sit at the picnic table have a snack you know if it's just the gang from the office you want to go for a casual drink or whatever but it's around golf uh which makes it fun as well so uh like i said good on them for the uh, the tavern on the tee at the 19th tee in the west end of ottawa well, I'll have to get out and check that out myself. I know yeah. uh, Target Golf Center just down the road from my place has a similar, they don't have a, sort of a, much of a food and beverage side to what they do there, but they have right. a nice patio, Yeah, uh, you know, and they have music piped out on the patio and it kind of creates that sort of, you know, fun atmosphere because, you know, driving ranges like that. Now you're not going to see anything, you won't see anything quite that extravagant at a golf course per se it's a little bit more sort of you know you're at a golf course you're there to warm up yeah for your round. but I, I would say that ranges you know yeah i'd say that right now but I, I would say as we look towards the future you're going to see more golf courses thinking about that engaging yeah. that i mean if they and if they want smart. to yeah if they want to drive revenue and maximize the revenue that they're having at the ranges yeah. um you know it's an ideal way to do it i mean i know down in kingston here at uh, amherst uh, they have a food truck that's right down between the 10th tee and the the tee box for the driving range. Yeah. And I see people all the time, you know, they hit a few balls, go over, grab a poutine, <laughs> go back. Hit a few, and, not, and it's not me. And it's not me. And go back. <laughs> hit, hit a few, a few balls, balls and go grab a, I guarantee if you hit a, a few balls, then go grab a poutine, you might have a little different kind of weight shift when you go back to the bucket of balls. You might, but again. I'm not, I'm not saying don't eat the poutine between no. your buckets of balls. You go ahead and do whatever the heck you yeah. want. I'm just saying that you yeah. might want to limit the poutine Maybe hold off on the Putin till after you're done hitting the balls. If you really want to, you know, get the most out of that range session. Yeah. I think it's just uh it's a way of looking at the golf course as being an entertainment center and not just a golf course. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot more to it. And I, I think you'll, you'll gradually see 
Um, now that the concepts have started to be proven more and more, you're mm-hmm. going to see more golf courses that are engaging. And I've seen it out West, for an example, there's a couple of golf courses here in Western Canada, um, you know, that have installed things like top tracer and so forth yeah. and on their ranges. So yeah. that it's not just people that are coming to warm up for the round. They come out and they're there for in the evenings when the yeah. golf course sort of closes up a bit, you know, and it gets dark in, in the evening, they've still got corporate events and other things going on because, you know, face it, the golf season is a short season. Yeah. So they want to be basically be able to maximize their time and their, and the revenue of what they're doing. So uh, definitely we'll see that more and more, but uh, you know, 19th tee is a, a great example there. Cool. Now our good friend, Curtis Barkley. Yes, sir. Um, you know, we've known Curtis for a very, very, very long time. Curtis was the uh, one, um, the flagstick shootout many years ago when we 2015? were 2015, 2015, yep. I hosted when we were hosting the tournament at, uh, at Smuggler's Glen, uh, down at the Glen House Resort in, in Gannon, near Gananoque. Yep. And uh, Curtis is a, is a fantastic player, mm-hmm. um, fantastic player. Um and and he also um, he also suffers from a little bit of a, a, a physical um, um, you know, I, I guess you call it a disability for sure yeah. um, you know but Curtis is, has in the last few years he's become part of the um, now correct me if I'm wrong I don't want to sound stupid here but it's the European Disabled Golfers Association. Yeah, the, so that's originally what it was. And, um, you know, what they've done now is they've got the Golf for Disabled Tour, which actually is started now. So it, right. it makes it less called about Europe and that it's, you know, something a right. little bit more worldwide. But you're right. You know, they had, uh, you know, they have their part of the official world golf rankings, um, which he was ranked fourth before this week. We'll see what happens. Um, and then and then basically what's happened is that um, he's decided to put a lot more of his focus on, uh, that aspect of the game. You know, he's managed to win, uh, uh, championships in Canada and Ontario. And now he's gone into this world level where he's played, uh, some events in Australia and Dubai, but now this tour has just started. So the very first, uh, tour event, uh, was this week and it was being held concurrently, uh, with the European tour that now they're called the DP world tour, uh, concurrently with their, uh, Betfred British masters hosted by Danny Willett. Uh, so it's called the G4D at that event. And, uh, it's, you know, the Belfry, the Barbizon course was hosted Ryder cups, European tour events, and they were able to play 36 holes there Monday and then finished today on the Tuesday when we're recording this. And he held the lead overnight and sadly, just very closely, he got himself into a playoff and it was a three, three person playoff, got us, got his way to down to two players. They got to the second playoff hole and he lost, unfortunately, on the third playoff hole. But, you know, fantastic play by him. You know, it's obviously very difficult going from our environment. You know, he's obviously been training and hitting balls and so forth at, at Cedar Glen. Uh, doing some indoor training and stuff as well, jumped over there and competed. And, you know, that should be helpful as well when we look at his world ranking where he's ranked number four in the world right now. Um, but chances are he is going to uh, probably climb that a little bit nice. uh, after, after the new rankings are out. That is so awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, been following what he's been doing on, on, uh, on that tour, obviously for, for a while now, since yeah. he started it and, you know, it's, um, you know, Curtis is, it's a, it's a great story what he's doing and, yep. and uh, you know, 
what makes it more even more extraordinary how well he's doing uh, on on the the tours that he's on now is that he still competes um in pretty much every competition that he can get into around here he's always yep. been a part of our events though a lot of what he does with the uh, with the new tours that he's involved in kind of conflict with some of our stuff so he's not yeah, able to participate as much but yeah that's fine <laughs> we're okay with that curtis um he's doing great things uh he's an awesome player and uh and obviously we wish him continued success and we'll continue to follow what he's doing both on this podcast and whenever he does stuff we always post and write about it on flagstick.com so anything that we've ever written about curtis if anybody wants to learn more about what he's doing um you can go to flagstick.com just search for his name and you'll find Oh yeah, a lot lots. of stories. <laughs> <laughs> lots. Yeah, he's in a, you know, he's obviously he's been a OVJ champion and as I mentioned, you know, a Golf Ontario champion uh when they started their um, you know, um disability, I guess all abilities championship, which is now what they call it for the uh the Canadian championship as well. Uh continues to be a great golfer grinding away. He's 34 now and uh i just still see there's so much upside for him and he's so excited about playing these events and you know establishing himself and chasing that number one spot nice all right good for him all right well we got to get out uh quickly uh take a break and uh then when we come back uh we're going to have a, a little putting tip from our, our good friend kevin Heem at the kevin Heem golf school and maybe just maybe we'll be able to answer the question what tees should i play on the back nine, after a quick word from our podcast sponsor, TaylorMade Golf Canada. Over the past 40 years, you've inspired us to make a lot of great drivers. All great, but all eventually reach their limit. But while we were making all these drivers for the present, we were also hard at work making the next generation of driver. Because where titanium ends, carbon begins. All right. Well, we are back and uh, we're about to begin the back nine presented this week by Golf Sim Gurus. Work on your game all year round in the privacy of your own home. Custom golf simulators set up, built to your specifications to fit your budget. Visit golfsimgurus.ca to learn more. All right, uh, Scott, uh, we're on the back nine and uh, the spot where we we generally I mean, get into does that some... mean we're past 50 is that what that means <laughs> oh wait oh sorry yeah well there's the two okay. there's there's All two right. schools of thought there we could look at this in golf terms or we could look at this in life terms Fair um enough. i like to look at it in golf terms as don't don't want to think about being 51 years old and on my back nine but uh, <laughs> um, you're older than me so maybe you look at it that way wow okay <laughs> um this is the time where we sort of get into some discussions, um, you know, maybe about some hot topics that have sort of come up, some some thoughts from some of our our viewers or our, our listeners or people that have just sent emails or yeah. things that we might have heard. Um, one of the things that sort of have has kind of crept across my uh, email and across my social media threads has been some discussions regarding uh, what which tees you should be playing. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a number of schools of thought on, you know, the general idea of which tees you should be playing. There's factors that lots of different factors that are included in that sort of in, in that question. The one, I guess, the one that we can kind of throw aside 
that we have been trying to throw aside for many years now is the idea yeah. that there's any such such thing as men's or women's tees. Uh, gender has zero, and I mean zero, and I don't care if a golf course has what they designate as men's and ladies tees. That's wrong. Yeah. Um, there's gender has zero to do with which tees you should or shouldn't be playing. Nothing to do with it. Correct. Correct. I believe it 100%. Awesome. Um, what does play a factor in which tees you should be playing is pretty much everything else. It can be for sure. How far yep. you hit it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so the distance you hit it, your ability, mm -hmm. um, you know, the seasonality, what time, what type, time of the year it is, uh, can play a factor in there. The course conditions, the weather conditions, and the big one, probably more so amongst us um, men, <laughs> is ego. You yeah, know, ego. right up here. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I've played a lot of golf with a lot of women, and not too many of them feel that you know choose the tees that they play because. Uh, you know, they're thumping their chest that they've got to, I've got to play the back tees. I'm a good golfer. Um, yeah. It's kind of more of a men thing. <laughs> Sadly, you're tr it's true. I mean, <laughs> we've seen that many, many times over the years. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it leads to, it leads to a lot of issues. I mean, it leads to um, people, you know, not enjoying the game because they're not able to reach the greens in regulation. Um, mm -hmm. It leads to slow play. Yeah. Um, people have to understand that, you know, choosing the arena that you're playing in yeah. uh, makes a difference. So if you want to put that in terms of hockey, you know, we see it in the, uh, you know, half sheets of ice, you know, mini, mini rinks, but mm -hmm. we see that because it's made for a different size of player or a different style of what you're playing. Same thing goes with golf. I mean, if you look at it, yes, you know, let's say a golf course is 7,000 yards. Does it mean you have to play at all? Yes, I get it. You paid the same green fee, um, but it doesn't mean, you know, you have to use all the yardage uh, and automatically go to the to the back tees because it leads to an issue. But I think the biggest issue, first off, more than anything, um, is the education about mm -hmm. it. It's not something that's really and that's why we're ta talking about it here is that it's not talked about a lot and it's just like a lot of other things in golf um experienced golfers sort of have the expectation that other people will know what to do whether it's to fix a ball mark or where to park their golf carts or whatever that has to be learned that's a learned activity um so the same thing goes for choosing what tee boxes you play off now we're in a maybe a slightly different position than some other people and how they perceive when they uh, what they you know, how they look at it, because we maybe hit the golf ball a little further than the average golfer um, in some Used cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what you'll see is that, like my own golf course, for an example, where I'm at, once players started to figure out a large portion of the golfers now have moved forward because they can enjoy the game much more. So whereas we have at our course, a blue tees, white tees, you know, green tees, yellow tees, red tees, there's more and more uh, golfers that are up at the green tees now because they realize it's, you know, and it took a while, believe me, because, you know, it took mm -hmm. the first person to creep forward and the other person go, Oh, is that okay? Uh, you know, we're playing off the greens. Once they all started to accept it and they realized that they could reach the greens in the regulation, you know, they had shots that were, you know, landing closer to the hole. They had more chance to make birdie pots. It changes the whole context of the game for them. So 
I think what a lot of people have to do is have to look at um, turning their back on the legacy that we're seeing mm-hmm. at a lot of golf courses. Yeah. And I think that's the problem that we have. I mean, we all grew up and a lot of people grew up uh, at golf courses that basically had maybe two, maybe three sets of tees. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And the, you know, the good players play here, you know, the, these players play here and the women play up there, which we know is again, <laughs> totally, totally wrong and doesn't really serve the entire market and creates a lot of issues. So, I mean, what's your first off your perception as far as what golfers automatically do when they go to the golf course and what you you've seen in, in the past? Well, for, for me, I mean, to me, I, I see most golfers look at two sets of tees. Mm-hmm. You know, they look at the front, and they look at the back, right? Even if a golf course has five or six different sets of tees, mm-hmm. they're all there seems to be sort of this, okay, I'm a good player, I hit it far, I'm going to the back tees, right? I'm not and, a and, good and that may not and they may not be without even looking at the scorecard. Well, exactly. They might not <laughs> even look to see well, the back tees is, uh, you know, at that particular golf course are 6200 yards. Yeah, the front tees or the forward tees or the next tees up are 5800 yards. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the next tees up at 5,800 yards, which, which probably is not a bad thing, right? but if they're used to playing a golf course from the forward tees and it, their home course is 6,200 yards and the course they're at, the back tees are 6,200 yards. Well, then they're, they're not paying attention to the course right. that they're playing and playing it from the yardage that suits their game the best. Now yeah. that said, um, there's also something to be said for, your group and Mm. you and i have done this numerous times Uh, so many road trips that we've gone on so many times that we have gone to golf courses to play and we've played we've we've joined up with two people that are that are already there so we're in a cart we show up we're paired up with two other people and Mm. and we've done this numerous times the first very first question that gets asked when the for you after you do is hey i'm fred i'm jeff i'm scott i'm john all right great to have you know let's 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 play some golf let's have some fun what tees are you playing yeah automatically and and you know you don't want that to be even though you're not really playing golf with them as they're your buddies right yeah you're playing golf with them now you should not ever feel obligated to right. go up and play off the green tees at 5,600 yards with two people just because you're paired with them and you're used right. to playing. So that's, that's the, the social aspect. Yeah. So right. yeah. you have to decide for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, and you and I will do this a lot. We, we probably would not dr- jam up all the way forward on us because then it would complete not, com- it would be completely not enjoyable for us. Maybe. But we sometimes, and a lot of times, do find a happy medium. Well, we'll yeah, well, what tees do you guys usually play? Well, we usually play the whites. Right. Okay. Ah, yeah. We'll play the whites. Sixty-five hundred yards, not sixty-nine hundred, or at sixty-three hundred. We'll mm-hmm. play the whites. No big deal. Let's mm-hmm. have some fun. Let's stay together. You know, and yeah. play. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with not doing that. No, I guess um, it, I guess it really depends on your intention of what you're trying to do. So, yes. you know, I, I use the example of of playing with my daughter and, you know, quite often. So the other night when we play, play from the same I, tee, 
I played further back, but a lot of times we play from the same tees. I was mm-hmm. trying to work on some certain things or whatever, and she totally understood that. It wasn't like I wasn't walking up to her tees and hanging out there, and she was hanging out at my tee as well. But a lot of times, yeah, if she's playing red or green or yellow, which are three common ones that she plays, um, I'll just go up and, and play with that because that's sort of the point of those rounds. It, yeah. It's a social aspect of it that way. So again, don't feel, you know, if you're going for a social aspect of it, you know, you can just go up and play. I mean, maybe the game's a little bit different. I I get it too. It's going to vary a little bit in sometimes in maybe public play versus membership play. If people are playing at a, you know, public course and they're paying a set green fee versus going, you know, an all you can eat membership, let's say, then they maybe they go, well, I want to get as much out of my round as possible. Maybe I should move back there. But again, those are one of the factors of enjoying yourself and and having fun. And, you know, the number of people that I run across that have never played a more forward set of tees, and they automatically assume it's going to be super easy. And I'm like, guess what? You still got to hit the greens and you still got to make the putts and you still got to score. You're not necessarily going to eat it up that way. Um, yeah, well, a lot uh, of times, a lot of times, a good a good player, mm-hmm. a, a lower index player, or even a mid index player that is a good player that hits the ball a decent distance, will find that moving up mm. a deck or two yeah. brings all of the stuff that normally is not in trouble for them from the back tees. It brings right. it all into play. So yeah. now they have to. Now all of a sudden, you have to play. You're playing a completely different golf course. Very you much. have to hit an iron off that tee, not a driver, yeah. because driver from the back tees left you short of that bunker. Mm-hmm. And driver from the tees you're playing now puts you in that bunker or you have to cover that bunker to, to, to hit driver. So now it changes everything. So the golf course becomes more difficult. So I guess, you know, Scott, when we're, we're asking the question. Right. And just flat out saying, which tees should I play from? Yeah. The answer to that question is there are too many factors to really say unequivocally one way or the other, you should play these tees because if I'm a, if I'm a good player or I'm you and, and you're a good player, you don't have, you you know, you're going to go to a golf course and automatically you're likely, if you're playing with three other good players, you're likely going to go to the back tees. Like that's not always, but generally, you know, because that's where you would need to play a golf course from in competition. That's Mm -hmm. where you need, like, not although although that has changed now for me because going to be because you're in the senior category with the PGA. So so. right, so even that example that you said earlier about going forward. I mean, I had to do that last year, and it was more challenging because I went and played a golf course that I'd probably played a hundred times. The Eagle Creek back tees. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I go to the forward tees, and I'm like, I'm standing on the tee trying to figure out how to play the golf course. It's still a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still trying to play out the golf course. I, I think one of the biggest things, you know, within this is is you know the old school thinking was always it was related to handicap. It was Mm -hmm. related purely to ability more than anything. But the problem is within ability is that there's a lot of different things that make up a person's ability. You know, I I played in scrambles for an example where, you know, we had a D flighter that was playing in the tournament that, you know, hit the ball 315 off the tee, Mm -hmm. but had a terrible short game. 
Um, so, you know, you can't just use handicap as the factor. And like I said, the old school sort of way of thinking was, you know, back tees, you know, low handicap men, uh, you know, middle tees, middle to high handicap when, uh, men, low handicap women or low handicap senior men. And then the front tees were designed for middle to high handicap women or seniors or beginners. Well, again, throughout the gender factor, we got rid of that mm-hmm. handicap. That's not really the the easiest way to judge it because no. how a person's going to enjoy or tackle that golf course is going to be much different. But I think there are some answers. But again, I think there's there's no one answer. But I think there are some ways that maybe a player can help choose can we can we sort of say that that if you're with a regular group of people yeah and or you know or you're in a you know if for casual golf because if you're playing tournament golf or league golf you play the tees that you're told to play right you really don't have a choice it's not a yeah. it really mm-hmm. at that point it doesn't yeah. become what tees should you play from no it becomes what teams that, are you because we have that in the flagstick mm-hmm. open we have right we have uh three different sets of blocks that we use for the flagstick open we have our yeah. a and b division playoff yeah. of our hybrid back tees mm-hmm. um and then we have our c division playoff of a different set and our d division playoff of a different set we set that course up as a hybrid course we don't play Aquinel from the back tees for a's no. and b's we mix up move some tees up so it's tournament setup so throw that out the window because yeah. You're at the mercy of whatever tees you're told to play for a tournament. So tournament golf's got nothing to do with this. Casual golf with your buddies. If you go to the golf and say, hey, I'm meeting up with, with three of my buddies we are going to play. What tees do you guys want to play? Yeah. Whatever tees you want. Yeah. You know, as a group, you decide which tees you want to play and yeah. you play. Uh, and that and that said, though, that even in casual play of that way, you don't necessarily have to play off those tees. I mean, the the handicap system, the way it's set up and the way the courses are rated now, players can determine, you know, if somebody else plays off a different set of tees, they can determine what their stroke allocation is if they yeah. need to play off those forward tees so that you can have an equivalent match. So, you know, so that's that's a big thing that way. I, I think. I think the biggest factor in all of this, and, and I know we're going to get to this here, is what I mentioned is the driving distance, how far a person hits the golf mm-hmm. ball more than anything, because that 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 changes how they play the golf course. It changes what clubs they hit in from an approach perspective. And what we see and, and what we found over the years, and I, you know, I, I, you can comment whether you've seen this or not, but... I see golf courses that are set up for um, certain players. Maybe they're novice players. Maybe they're players that don't hit it the long way. And they're playing off tees where they can't reach the green in two. So I I know your son, for an example, we've talked about that a fair bit uh, over the years that, you know, all of a sudden he's playing par fours that he can't reach in two. Well, their, their odds of making a birdie are really slim. They yeah. never get to putt for a birdie or less. Yeah. And that's because purely they're playing off the wrong tees. Yeah. And I agree with that. And, and I mean, I say that, you know, from, for my son early on, that was a huge factor in, right. in choosing the tees to play from was being able to hit a variety of different clubs into the greens and have an opportunity to get there in regulation. Right not a factor for him now uh, no, because but, he's but older the, and he hits it farther, but, but that, had, that there but, to the point, yeah. it's not a fact. It was a factor for him yeah. as he learned to play the game. Right. 
And for a lot of times playing too far back made the game not enjoyable because you're basically hitting driver, fairway wood, yeah. driver, fairway wood, right. driver, fairway wood, and still not reaching some greens and two. But, even, but, but even now, young, because yeah. you can hit it further, now from the from the further back tees, all those greens that were unreachable in two with different clubs are now all reachable in two with different clubs. Right. Par fives become reachable in two yeah. in some cases if you hit a good tee shot. So I, for me, I've seen lately i've seen a couple of things kind of pop across social media with respect to choosing the right tees and how and 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 how distance distance you hit the ball has nothing to do with it Ooh, and i'm like wow. in, you yeah. know a 100 no <clears throat> show me yeah. explain to me how the distance that you hit it has nothing to do with which tees you should play yeah the distance that you hit it has probably ability aside the one of the biggest factors mm -hmm. as to sure. what there's no system that you can devise you can create whatever systems you want uh to to tell yourself that there's you know uh, a reason why distance isn't a factor if mm -hmm. you only hit it 200 off the tee and you're playing a 7,000 yard golf course maybe you enjoy that you know for me for a lot of years i was a bit of a pea shooter when it came to hitting balls <laughs> off the tee hit it dead straight most of the time a lot of sides been we always used to call it my flop shot driver because i could hit it i could hit it 260 270 downwind but i'd hit it about yeah 200 into the wind now i'm a good player i was a good player back then too when i was but, hitting it nowhere yeah but if i played a golf course that had multiple par fours in excess of 400 yards i was hitting a fairway wood for my second shot into those par fours every single yeah. time and I, we always used, I used to comment, I used to play the back tees with you and your, your previous partner, Jim used to play the back tees, every golf course. Cause you guys hit it a long way. And I wanted to play golf with you guys. So I played from the right. back tees, but you and I both know that I played that golf courses so much more difficult because I wanted to play with you. And I had no business being on those tees. Yeah. None. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was not enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. It was enjoyable being out on the golf course with you guys and playing. Well, thanks but it for was saying not, that. It was not. <laughs> well, let's say, it was not enjoyable to play golf right. <clears throat> from yeah. that far back because I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't do anything with it. Now, yes, when we go on some of our road trips, we'll go to a golf course like Kiowa Island, or mm -hmm. when we went to, um, oh my goodness, what was the golf course we played at that they? Ah, uh, frig! I forget. Sedja. Um, oh sedgefield sedgefield yeah, yeah, yeah. right sedgefield yeah. very long golf course yeah where they play the wyndham championship on With the a, yes Tour. very yeah. long golf course i shot 78 mm -hmm. on that golf course from the back tees mm -hmm. and probably hit fairway wood into every part four <laughs> yeah because they're know, all 490 exactly yards. i was right. i got up and down from everywhere yeah uh, from the back of a skunk you know whatever yeah. I, I could yeah. i could get up and down from everywhere and made every putt yep and shot 78 but that was the hardest freaking right. 78 that I've yeah. ever shot. And that could have easily been an 88 if mm -hmm. I didn't get up and down every time mm -hmm. I missed a green yeah. because I really missed a good chunk of the green. So yeah. distance to me, distance has almost everything to do yeah. with the selection of tees that you're playing from. Yeah, well, we see the math now and, you know, we've got the ability to to track things with, you know, TrackMan. So we have data to sort of, you know, basically back up what we see here. And, uh, you know, as we said, when we're talking about, you know, a junior playing, you know, 
there's ego involved there too. They're like, oh, I want to play from these tees, but if they can't reach the green, it's no fun. But it's hard to tell them to to do that. So uh, the distance is super important. And what we find now is that you know, like I said, with TrackMan, we can um, we've measured and we're able to see tons and tons of points of data. Uh, we can see what the average golfer does as far as hitting a golf ball and how long they hit a golf ball and how that correlates to the other shots that they hit as well. And that starts to give you a much better idea of what yardage they should be playing at to be sort of equivalent and to have the same type of experience. And we've seen that with the development of what's called the, the long leaf T system, uh, which, you know, it was a, a joint initiative of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, their foundation, uh, and the U.S. Kids Golf Foundation uh, is a golf course in, in North Carolina. Um, they basically teamed together to kind of work on a couple of different things and look at a way that a golf course could be played uh, better and more efficiently so everybody could enjoy yeah. it. Uh, it's only been seven, eight years now since they, they started to come up with their system, but we're seeing it more and more happen all over the place. And, and you know, the premise for it, and which I totally love, is that, you know, you can go to the driving range and they basically they basically got a system set up that they have about seven different sets of tees possible and up to eight if you're talking about PGA Tour players. And it's purely based on how far they carry the golf ball, which again, that becomes important as far as the seasonality is concerned, mm-hmm. because that changes things right now. I have a whole bunch of people that are like, man, I'm, I, I'm not hitting the ball very far. Well, it's because it's spring and you're not getting any roll. So it's all about the carry distances. And what they'll find is that, you know, it really correlates to how far a person hits a driver and how far they hit all their other clubs. There's percentages that kind of go down and, you know, the average person, whatever they carry their driver, um, they will generally carry a pitching wedge probably half that distance. Yeah. So what, what they've decided is, you know, let's set up a golf course based on all these types of yardages. And yes, it does require more tee boxes, but it does, you know, create a better experience for people where they can play faster, enjoy the game more. And it's simple as this for them to figure out the distance that they hit it at their driving range. They have these markers set up where you hit your drive and you see where your average drive lands. And that will determine kind of where, what tee boxes you should be choosing. Mm-hmm. And then they have this system that goes all the way through. And here's, here's one of the neat little things. And it's a little, it's a little, thing that you don't even think about but their scorecard for the long leaf system starts with the shortest course at the top and works down on the score cords on the scorecard so that their longest yardages are at the bottom and to mix mix people up their blue yardages are actually their shortest ones their reds are actually their longest ones they go to a, <laughs> uh, as far as their seven system but it's neat because when you look at the scorecard and you see that it's might start out at you know 3200 yards it's at the top and then works its way down so from an ego standpoint people don't look like they're losing they look like they're gaining yeah. So that's the problem. Some people that look at the scorecard, they see the yardage at the top and they're like, oh, it's 6,800 yards. Oh, but I'm going to have to go down here three tees down and play 6,200. And it's sort of a, well, I'm not getting the full golf course and whatever. So they flip that a little bit. And then basically they have all their, their holes are, are rated. Uh, and really it, it's a cool system. Uh, people can look it up if they want. It's called the Longleaf T system. But again, it's based purely on driving averages more than anything to carry. 
Um, and then what you end up do, getting is really representative, similar clubs in to the greens in a lot of cases, but it's, it's all about the, the tee shot and those carry distances for their system, uh, runs from hundred yards, 125, 150, 175, 200, 225, 250. And their longest would be like 275. And what you end up seeing is golf courses that correlate from 3,100 yards to 74, 82. But think about that how many beginning golfers are out there right now that maybe hit the ball off the tee 150 yards and they're playing golf courses that are 6,000 yards. Whereas if you look at their system, the way they have it set up 6,000 yard golf course is getting closer to a player that hits it like 215 off the tee, mm-hmm. which is really close to the male driving average of 218 that's recorded. So yeah. there's a lot of golf courses that are out there that are already way too long for the golfers that are out there playing for them to enjoy it, to match it up to what's happening for, you know, a player who hits it longer in the experience that they're having. Well, here's the thing. Um, I know, I know that there's people that will be watching uh, or listening to this podcast and listening to this conversation that are, are, are going to not agree Oh, of course, what we're saying, yeah. and by all means, please do disagree. Sure. If you and there are going to be, and there are going to be outliers. Yeah. There are going to be people that don't fit into these particular categories. Yes. But let's just say this: this system, for an example, is very well thought out. So, so my my what I'd like to say to to anybody that doesn't disagree or does disagree with this, that's fine. Yeah, um, reach out to Scott or myself. Um, you can find our email addresses on the website. Feel free to reach out to. Do not reach out to us through social media and some kind of argumentative post because <laughs> the response that you're going to get from me, and I'm sure that Scott will share the same thing is a zero response. Yeah. I, I probably don't, a block because I'm not going to get well, into I don't block, some kind but of I, 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 contest. I don't, I don't get on social media to sit there and argue with people. No, That's if you want to talk about something, if you've got a system that you've figured out and you think it's better than using a system of how far you hit the ball um, off the tee or with, with your clubs, then that's fine. Reach out mm-hmm. to us. Uh, yeah. Send an email with your thoughts and have a conversation. We're happy to discuss it. And if it's a worthwhile discussion that, that you know, then we could we can update this conversation through another uh, episode of this podcast to, to bring your point forward. I have no issues with that at all. Mm-hmm. But don't try to come at, don't try to deal with it on social media because um, if the last two years have taught me anything about social media, it's I just don't get into arguments with people about anything on social media because nobody wins those arguments. No, nobody ever wins those arguments. So uh, last thought on that is when you go to a golf course that you have not played before, mm-hmm. take a look at the scorecard online. Yep. Take a look at the length of the holes that you're going to be playing, the par fours, the par threes get a feel for how far you know you hit the ball off the tee, not how far you think you hit the ball off right. the tee. Right, Me- measure it if you can. Use a range yeah. finder or check the markers on the yeah. tee range and, and, and find that out and, yeah, bury your ego. And Don't solely sure go by total yeah. yardage of a golf course. Just because uh, a golf course is 6,500 yards does not mean that you can't play it. No. It could be that there's a lot of long par threes. It could be there's a lot of long par fives. And par fives, you can reach in three. You don't have to get there in two. And maybe the par fours are all quite within your range. Mm -hmm. Look at all the yardages. Do your homework ahead of time. And then you'll get there knowing, okay, Mm -hmm. these are the tees that I think are most appropriate for me to play. And if your other circumstances pop in as far as who you're playing with um, and you have no choice, then you just 
you make that decision ahead of time and say, you know what, the three buddies I'm playing with, they're not going to want to play from there. So I'll just play where they're playing. You accept that if that's the way it's got to be. But if you're just going to tee it up yourself or with a couple of buddies and you guys want to figure it out ahead of time, the best way to do it is do your research ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Courses nowadays, all the scorecards are online. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check it out and figure it out for yourself. But driving distance is probably your number one factor to uh, focus in on. Yeah, I would say for people, you know, a um, couple things just just as a, a last point here. Um, if you're not giving yourself an opportunity to reach the greens and regulation, if you're reaching none and not just because you're sideways, but because you're, you're short, definitely reconsider what tees that you're playing off of. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to have that enjoyable aspect of the game of being able to putt for birdies. Uh, The other side of it, don't be afraid to try out a golf course from a shorter distance than you normally play it. I mean, if you make too many birdies, move back, Uh, you know, if if that's the case or whatever, but uh, don't be shy about moving forward and don't be shy about prompting your group to move forward as well. And as we talked about seasonality and the situation, if you want to just have a quick round and you're going out and you're trying to have a fun time and do some different things, choose another T set slightly more forward. hundred percent you know, convince your friends to, to maybe play a little bit more forward. They might enjoy it a little bit more and you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Well, okay. Well, the one thing I can tell you is that no matter what tees you play from, it isn't going to help you get the ball in the hole. Uh, but oh. checking out uh, this week's uh, lesson tee might just do that. So it's time for another weekly golf tip, uh, putting tip uh, here on the Flagstick Podcast. It's time to hit the lesson tee brought to you by Kevin Haim Golf School. It's always the right time to play better golf, whether you need private lessons, a better short game, some putting help, or even a custom fitting, club fitting, visit kevinhaim.com. And remember that better golf is a lot more fun. And this week, Kevin Haim is going to help you with your putting. Check this out. Today we're inside our putting studio and Jake's working on his favorite drill, right Jake? Yes I am. I'm putting on a meter stick or a yard stick to make sure that my aim is proper and I can start the ball on this line I intend. Yeah, two things. We see in our clinics and camps, people don't pay enough attention to alignment at the start or their aim. So this helps with that obviously, Jake. 100%. Because I have the yard stick on the ground, it's easy to tell if my face is square and it's easy to see my alignment to the target assuming my eyes are over the ball. Yeah, so I catch people looking at their putter all the time, moving their head around. And I think people think the path of the putter is what it's all about. And that is important, but what do the stats tell us about this? Yeah, well, the stats would say that 85% or more of the starting direction of the putt is controlled by the face angle at impact. That's wild, that's wild. Not the path. So although path's important because it's going to help you control your face, it actually means, everybody, that if you make a slight mistake but hit the ball with a square face at impact, you are still very likely to make the putt. And this drill is the best drill for both... You know, your aim at the start and making sure your putter's square as the ball rolls into the middle of the cup, right? Makes you very aware of whether you're actually starting the ball where you intended to or not, right? Love it, okay. Let's do what Tiger Woods does. He puts a gate here. It, again, gives him some awareness and makes the stroke very particular. If we're outdoors, we'd stick tees in the ground like Tiger does. You can put it even a cocktail glass. We've got a couple little weights here. So, Jake, let's see it again. Yeah. So we're going to put that putter down very carefully. Our aim is great. And then roll it on the yardstick. Right in the middle of the cup every time. Well Absolutely. Done. And, and if you can do this over and over, everybody, 
even if you do misread a longer range putt, because you'll be hitting the ball where you meant to, you're maximizing your odds to make putts, right? So close range, it's the most important thing. And even as you move farther from the, away from the hole, visualize the yardstick and try to hit the putt where you intended to. It'll really help your putting. Let's see if you can go three for three. Let's, Let's do put it. another ball down here to finish up. But that's really great, Jake. Put on a yardstick, everyone, and you'll get a lot better at short putts. Well done. Thank you very much. Well, that is uh, yet another fine uh, golf tip for, from uh, from Kevin Hame at the Kevin Hame Golf School. A little putting tip this time. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, there are all, all aspects of your game that you got to work on, not just your swing. Uh, your putting is uh, kind of an important component of, uh, of uh, your golf game. So uh, that was a good tip. Yeah, I like that one, uh, especially with uh, making use of the ruler. That's something I've done uh, a lot in my own teaching. I actually have a, a class set of them. How's that? Uh, e easy <laughs> tool, set of ruler. Some, something that you can buy, but uh, easy to set up and see, you know, kind of where your club face is aiming, just as, uh, you know, Kevin and Jake explained there. Great, great tool. And even, uh, even when I was caddying for Grace St. Germain at the CP Women's Open, uh, that was kind of her last drill that she did before she went out and, and played on the golf course. You just, uh, you know, have a three foot ruler there and able to roll the ball down that, but, you know, able to see the club face being lined up. So a uh, great tip there. And, and certainly one people can, can try for themselves. Well, the sixth of many, six episodes in six tips, yes. and there's still many more to come. So, uh, and obviously you can also check out all those tips, uh, on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Um, you can access them through flagstick.com. We've got sort of a separate thing set up on the website now for all of the tips that we feature on the uh, flagstick podcast. So, yes, sir. um, the past few episodes we've talked about, uh, we spent some time talking about different types of technology that contribute to, in some part to improving your game or the game itself. Yeah. Um, earlier on, we were talking about selecting, you know, the right tees, um, not a technology thing, uh, a system thing maybe mm -hmm. um but uh um you know we're talking about setting up the selecting the right set of tees we want to switch gears a little bit here and and chat about uh because we were talking about distance we want to talk about range finders yeah um um on uh, on this segment of uh, of product watch um brought to you of course by our good friends at greensmere golf and country club uh, save 40% on all-day green fee rates with FlexPass for only $425 plus tax. Visit greensmere.com uh, to get your FlexPass or for more information on that. So diving into range finders. Now we talked yeah. about when we're talking about selecting the tees, when you're trying to figure out how far you're hitting it, you can use a range finder to do that. You measure off a certain distance uh, you know, from the tee as opposed mm -hmm. to uh, how far you have to hit uh, into a green, you can actually yep. measure to a spot in the fairway from the tee to get a general idea of where you're hitting your ball um, and to help you understand which tees to play from. But the rangefinder obviously has a lot more uses than just figuring out how far you hit it off the tee. Um, and uh, they've come so far mm. from when we first started using rangefinders. I remember <laughs> the they weren't even legal. They weren't even legal. Well, that's it. They were. They yeah. weren't legal for competition. Um, yep. And there's still some of them that have features that you have to turn off for competition um, that uh, you're not allowed to use. Uh, but but now they are legal uh, yep. in their basic form uh, for competition. And, you know, um, there's more than just one brand out there now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they've evolved a lot. Like, uh, like you said, I think my first one that I got was in 2006. I actually have it around here someplace. It was a Bushnell Tour XL, uh, mm-hmm. big thing with a nine yes. volt battery. Very basic. Oh, right, the binocular style. Exactly. One. Yeah, I remember very, those. Yes. Very basic as far as features, but you know, uh, obviously, you know, did what it needed to do, and um, they were great. And as you said, they become more accepted. Uh, a lot more competitions are allowing distance measuring devices, uh, even to the point of the PGA of America allowing them uh, in the PGA Championship and in their their championships. Um, generally, in most events, you're just not allowed to use the slope uh, calculator, which mm-hmm. would calculate you know the up and down and give you the adjustments for that. Um, but certainly, we're seeing a proliferation of them. But at the same time, what's happened as well is as that category has grown. Um, the costs have grown as well. Yeah. So, you know, some of the top ones in the market have now been joined by other brands. You know, obviously Bushnell was a leader. Then you get other companies starting to come in there, other ones that are known for, uh, you know, scope technology, whether it's, you know, whatever whatever the case may be. And now we're starting to see that there's uh, other little upstart brands that are going, you know what? Um, we can sort of do that and maybe there's a better niche, but we're also seeing garbage ones too. That's for sure. (laughs) And actually that was the Genesis for the one that we're going to talk about uh, today. But uh, I would say now they've, they've become sort of a, you know, a common accessory. Whereas at first, you know, it was rare when one person or, you know, in a group had it and you're like, Oh, wow. Hey, can you get me a yardage and whatever? And now, you know, you look and, you know, 12 year olds are walking around the golf course and they've got a range finder. And, you know, it's been great because what's great about it is that, you know, it has definitely helped speed up play for people that are concerned about yardages. They're not over there kind of walking off yardages or try to figure out or calculate it. It's just one zip, get it out, boom, and away you go. So and I was uh, one of those people that, um, you didn't uh, like it at first. Oh no, I didn't. (laughs) I mean, like, like for the most part, I am a bit, more of a although i haven't been playing golf my whole life i haven't devoted you know my my life to golf like yourself you know i'm not a history uh like a major history buff i do i do follow some of the history and i am into that some of the his you know the history and the traditions of the game and things like that because of that traditions of the game i've been very much against a lot of the technology that's been brought into the game like Mm -hmm uh range finders um you know watches you know all that kind of stuff is that i've always been more of a you know you pace it off from the sprinkler head or from the 150 marker it's got to be it's got to be more about the golfer making the calculations and doing the work and not bring so much bring about the it's 1964 calling Jeff. yeah i know exactly well <laughs> pick up the phone um you know and 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 i always felt that at least with the people that i had played golf with outside of good players that mm-hmm. were using these devices yeah um it did not speed up play it mm. it it with the with it was slowing people down because they were just they couldn't get the yardage right and they were like lasering it over and over and it was just like oh my gosh like can you just like pace it off from the 150 yard marker but yeah. that said yeah stepping back a little bit now i've changed my I've changed mm-hmm. my mind. I've changed my tune. I've come into the light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 1960 is now behind me, although I really don't remember the 60s because it wasn't around then. So we'll have to go back to the 80s and, and 70s, sure, okay. maybe. We'll but, go for that. But I I see it now. And yeah. I don't know if it's because 
the technology has gotten that much better that mm -hmm. you know getting your yardage is quicker it's mm -hmm. simpler finding something to bang the yardage thing off the mm -hmm. yardage uh, range finder off of to get your yardage is easier it's picking up less of the trees in the background all the time yeah, and stuff they're, like that. they're like, definitely I, better yeah they're faster and, and i'm seeing that it actually does yeah. speed up play and now i use one yeah. um i i have yeah, i mean it's just, it's just it's just helping people make club selections mm -hmm. and make the decision and not stand there by their golf bag with four clubs going i don't know which one i'm gonna hit um, and again, enjoying the game. And you've got to remember as well. I mean, we know that from our own kids, they're used to technology. Yeah. Right? So the more that you can have technology, whether it's GPS watches, launch monitors, whatever the case, that's another point of engagement for them within the sport that it doesn't seem like the old fuddy duddy, uh, you know, sport where at least though, if they get used to that, then maybe they will take the time to embrace, you know, hickories and all the different aspects and the traditions of the game. So exactly. Uh, yeah. But they, they definitely have gotten much, much better. For now, sure. this one that we're going to talk about really quickly here um, yeah. it, on, on, in product watch this week is is uh is blue tees yeah. um and it's it's one that uh you know i had a, a really good conversation with the uh, sales manager from this company uh from sundog actually um about the distributor yep uh, last year mm -hmm. and uh you know we talked about the mod different models that they had because we're looking at at possibly doing something with them with respect to some events and things um so i thought maybe this would be rather than talk about the ones that everybody knows about Maybe yeah. we just talk a little bit about the Blue Tees rangefinder mm -hmm. and uh, and how it compares, you know, its features to some of the ones that are the more popular names. Yeah. So what happened? The origin of this company is actually uh, five friends that were from uh, Southern California, and and uh, you know they were getting into the game and and they wanted to buy a rangefinder, but you know this is only a couple of years ago. And what they found was, you know, it was prohibitive as far as the cost of buying a high-end rangefinder. We're talking about ones that are getting in the $500 and $600 range, uh, you know, would be in Canadian dollars here. And what they did was they decided to go the other way and they decided to, you know, do what a lot of people do. And they hopped on, you know, their online shopping and they ordered something super cheap from overseas. And uh, unfortunately, the first <laughs> product that they had, you know, an eyepiece fell off. And they're like, oh, you know, and it here was we go. <laughs> it was crappy. Away I go. All right. Give it the benefit of the doubt. They ordered another one. Same type of thing happened, um, you know, and they just thought, OK, is there not a market here for a, a mid price, but high quality range finder that we can get into that will have a lot of features? And, you know, that was the genesis for, for Blue Tees. And, um, you know, they only came to retail in, in 2021, um, but their products so far have been very impressive not only just because of the features that they have but you know some of their marketing things like their packaging they pay attention to little features like extra batteries uh and we'll see that the one we're talking about here is kind of their top of the line one which is the blue tees 3 max it actually comes with three batteries mm -hmm. so a battery is good for probably nine or ten thousand you know hits as far as zapping your laser well they provide two extra ones in that package so it's kind of smart as far as doing that because again that becomes one of the convenience factors that players go and they're like man i paid $600 for this thing. And, you know, the battery's gone and now I got to go spend a whole bunch of money on a battery or whatever. Um, we are seeing other ones come out with features like USB charging and stuff like that, but you know, they're not always convenient either. You got to make sure you at least have something to charge it. But um, the blue max, the three max sells for about uh, 339 in Canada. It's very um, reasonable. 
very reasonable, especially for the quality that you get. Um, it's got a very good display. It's got a 4K display. And I played around with one of these. And, and, and uh, so I'm not just saying this from reading it off the, the tin, as they say in the, in the UK. <laughs> uh, you know, I've had one Sales in my hand and, and made use of it. Yeah, the, the display is really clear. Um, it's got a very simple, easy to use uh, things like your slope switch. One of the things I found with some rangefinders is that it's really hard to find all the different modes and yeah. between the modes. So all of a sudden it gets stuck on one mode and you can't get it out of there. So next thing you know, it's on meters and it's on scanning <laughs> mode and you're like, this thing's useless. I don't have time. I just got to yeah. get a yardage, put it back in my bag and I'll use it for the rest of the round. Uh, this one's pretty uh, easy that way. It's got a cool uh, display in the fact that it's uh, auto ambient. Uh, it's got a magnetic strip that's built in. For so putting on the cart. On, like, put it on the cart. Yeah, yeah. Which obviously is something we're seeing in more uh, range finders now. Originally, there was sort of cases that would go around it, but now it's sort of built in that way. 900 yard range. So, you know, when you're driving it off the tee, you can measure it all 900 <laughs> yards that you hit it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Water resistant. Because that's a problem. Yeah. And, and also <laughs> has the, um, you know, the option as well when it locks in that it will pulse. And then that way it shows, you know. Yeah, you, I always like that. Fe- that That's a good feature to have where yeah. you, you know that you've you've got your you've got yeah. your desired uh, uh target yeah for sure and you know you've got a mode as well where you can scan if you're just looking at a number of different targets so basically you're targeting across the different area and then you're, you're picking out different things and you want multiple yardages or just a single one as far as locking in the other cool part is comes in multiple colors um not nice. not 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 big for everyone but comes in blue comes in black and it comes in pink as well and i know you'd love the pink one for sure um but yeah just just nicely designed Whoa. clean packaging uh you know decent price high quality you know it, it does have a, a good warranty with it as well which is really important so you know you don't end up in that situation where you are shipping it back and uh, i just got an email actually from them today and they actually say now that they're at uh, a thousand uh green grass and retail uh locations in north america already so that's pretty big growth for them in a couple of years so definitely uh you know we're not just sitting there and you know, pushing the product. We're just saying here, it's something that you should check out as far as an option list uh, when you're looking for a rangefinder. Yeah, well, especially with something that's becoming as popular as rangefinders are, you want to have something that's quality. You want to have something that's affordable. You want to have something that you can rely on. Yeah. And and like the, this is just one. Uh, yeah. You know, we're 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 talking about this one because we can't sit here and do a whole show. Just well, we could do a whole show on rangefinders, <laughs> but yeah. we're not going to do a whole show right now with everything else we talk about on rangefinders. So we just kind of selected one that kind of intrigued yep. us, that interests us, that we thought would interest all of you, uh, and we're talking about it. But there are tons of oh, different yeah. rangefinders out there. Go check saber, one out. Maybe you tech, don't like tech, how. Tech. Yeah, yeah, maybe you don't like how it holds in your you hold it in your hand. It doesn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. You know, find one that you like. And if yep. it happens to be one of these blue tees ones, then then great. Um, yep. you might like it. Um there you go. There we go. Uh, Scotty Mac, I gotta say, <laughs> it's uh, you know, we get going on some topics and, and the time just kind of rambles by and and uh and uh you know, it's it's a lot of fun doing this every week, but uh, sometimes I feel like it's too short, even though I know we've been going on for <laughs> probably a better part of an hour now. Uh, but but it's great information for everybody. Um, but we got to, uh, you know, we got to shut it down. We got to get out and we got other things we got to get to this week. So uh, um, I want to thank all our uh, our sponsors. Once again, Metcalf Golf Club, Golf Sim Gurus, Greensmere Golf and Country Club, the Kevin Haim Golf School, and of course, 
I uh, can't do it without them. Our presenting sponsor, TaylorMade Golf Canada. Check out the new stealth line of golf equipment at taylormadegolf.ca and welcome to the Carbon Wood Age. Uh, hopefully, um, you're continuing to enjoy listening and uh, and watching what we're bringing to you uh, every week. Be sure to follow us across all the social media networks, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Audible, and uh, Apple Podcasts, obviously. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like us, click on the little notification bell. Make sure that you never miss a single episode when it drops. Get over to flagstick.com for even more amazing golf content delivered to you every single day because it's what we do. I want to thank you for spending so much time with us again on another episode of Flagstick Podcast. I am Jeff Botter. And I'm Scott McLeod. Always remember, go for the stick.